We're so glad that you're here today. And uh, uh, a reminder, Easter is two weeks from today, so we have these handy-dandy Easter invite cards with a little QR code in the back, and we encourage you to take them and invite somebody. Um, I need, also, need you to also do a favor. If you notice on the card, there's three services times for that day, 9, 10, 20, and 11:40. I need some of you to move to 11:40, candidly, because you look around, there ain't no room for nobody. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what we really want. We'll have a lot of people there that day. So if you're willing to come, we have full uh, programming that day at 11.40 for your children. We'd love to have you come there. You can come to 9. 9 is also pretty full. But maybe you want to have a nice little Easter brunch and come at 11.40. We appreciate you for doing that. But invite other people and shoot for the stars. And shoot for the stars is very appropriate for what we're talking about today as we're continuing on with our series of Ebenezer. Let me give you a little reminder of what Ebenezer is, because once again, we're hoping that when you think of the word Ebenezer, you no longer first think of Ebenezer Scrooge. That's the goal. Because in Ebenezer, our mark, Ebenezer's are markers of past hope, fulfilled by God's faithfulness, giving us an assurance of future hope. Markers of past hope, fulfilled by God's faithfulness, giving us an assurance of hope. So we began with talking about Samuel, and the original Ebenezer was the idea of a rock. We're going to place this rock, and when we see this rock, we're going to remember that God is our rock. Through Enoch and the story of generational legacy, through Rahab, the story of her life, looking at her life as a transformational story. So her life was an Ebenezer story, to where Drew talked last week about Noah and the idea that the rainbow, anytime we see the rainbow, it's an Ebenezer, a reminder, a marker of past hope that God will never let us drown again, and that he is faithful. And today we're talking about Abram and the stars, and the stars. And so as we do this, I want us to be also reminded that Ebenezer moments will lead us through the following stage. We will have the following stages as we've been looking through Hebrews chapter 11 and looking at the stories of faithful men and women in the Bible and, and the markers of how God is using them. The Ebenezer stories are always going to have these three phases. One, there's a, a phase of helplessness. A time in your life when you realize the water is over your head, that you can't figure a way out, that this is more than you can possibly handle. Does that relate to anybody here today? Has it ever related to you? Yes, absolutely. And through that course of the conversation, we then go through the second stage, which is lament. And this is the phrase we like to skip over, because lamenting is two-thirds of the Psalms, right? It's the place where we sit there and go, God, you said you're going to be faithful, but why is life still difficult? God, you said you're going to be uh, full of hope and blessing, but where are you, God? And, and the lamenting ultimately gets us in the right posture that will lead us through the place where God provides a victory. And in those victory moments, we place the marker down to remind us of God's faithfulness so the next time that we're helpless, we remind it of God's faithfulness. The next time we're walking through lament, we see God's faithfulness, and we trust that God is going to lead us through. So as we're doing that today, we're going to read through the story of Abram found in Hebrews chapter 11. And you're going to notice that Abram also is, another way to say it is Abraham. It's actually two different names, but the same person. Why? Come back next week. But for today, see them synonymous. Okay? Teaser, I like that. Okay. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. 
he went out, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham was called. He set out. And as he was setting out, he believed that God was going to use him to make generations. So he had eventually a son named Isaac. And that son had other sons named Jacob and etc., etc. But the father Abraham didn't actually have many sons. In fact, he had a hard time having children. And when he went out, he was 75 years old. He didn't have any kids yet, but God said, Go. And I want you to see this. He trusted in this that God was the architect and the builder. That when God allows us to lead and go through a journey, He is the architect and builder, and thereby He is the foundation in which we put our hope. If you are living your life trying to be in control of your own life, you're going to find that is fool's gold. You're building your foundation on a sand that will erode away. But when we trust in God's word and his faith and his promises and we lay our hope in his foundation and we say, God, you are the stabilizing force in my life. You are the steady hand that will guide me. There is hope there. Now, here's the interesting thing. God has promised to be our foundation, yet we are living in tents. It says that Abraham went and he lived in tents and he wandered the rest of his life roaming the world in tents. Did you get that? We like the idea of living in tents on a vacation. We like the idea of living in tents. We like the idea of our bodies being a tent and that this world is just temporary in funerals. It's comforting to know that they are now resting at an eternal home. But what we don't like to do is look at our bodies as current tents, even though they are your epidermis, which the old joke, your epidermis is showing, your epidermis, your skin, is just a tent holding for you a placeholder for what it will look like in eternity. And when we have this view of my body is just a tent, I'm going to go where God says to go. This changes everything. Because this life isn't ultimately about this life. To the land of promise. And he did not know where he was going to go. So I'm wondering today what that looks like. To chase this story even further, let's go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And the Lord said to Abram, once again, different name, same person. Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, here's the encouraging verses that are to come. These are all promises of God. Four or five promises of God here. First one. I will promise to make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Sign me up for that. Right? I want to be blessed. I want to feel like God is with me. And then if someone attacks me, God's going to get them. I don't have to. Right? 
We like that idea. We like the guy of God being bold and God being promised and God being faithful and God being all of that. But when Abram went, left, and as he went, as the Lord had told him, Lot with him, Abram was 75 years old. He went out and he went not knowing where he was going, trusting that God was going to be with him. Let that sink in. I don't know about you, and I'm not calling anybody out today, but if you're a 75-year-old in the room, I can pretty much guarantee you you're not excited about the life of leaving your home and spending the rest of your life in a tent. Right? In the last service, my three 75-year-olds went, Amen. <laughs> and there's something in us that sits there that has to fight the ideology that the prime of our life is somewhere between 30 to 50, and once we get that age, we're going to start slowing down the decelerator so that we can settle into our home and have a good, easy coast of the rest of our life. What if that wasn't what we were made for? What if we realized that this body, this tent, is designed for us to be on mission, on journey, to go where God says to go from now until the last breath in our lungs, be it tomorrow or 107 years old? What would it look like for us to realize that God's calling on us is never going to be about you settling in, but we have to fight that because that's what our culture teaches us. Make you a happy life. Translation, settle in. Find the home, find the, the situation, find the comfort, find the church that allows you to, to connect with God, but to have security and, and a foundation that you place your hope and trust in. What does this look like for us? As, as we're chasing with this, as we're going through, it's saying, God, I want to go even when I don't feel like it. God, I want to go wherever you lead. Are we okay with this? Are we okay with saying, God, if you want me to go somewhere, because really what it boils down to is, so Abram went. Are you listening for God? Are you willing to go where he really says to go? So let's unpack this a little more. What might this look like? Well, I think for some of us, it's the idea of, let me just be very transparent with you guys for a moment, as opposed to when I'm not, okay? But when I'm talking with the college students, one thing I love about their age is they'll tell you like it is, right? And they haven't learned the filter yet of, that's not what a 40-year-old says, because they're not 40, right? And so I'll be talking, I'll be like, do you want to go where God goes? And a lot of times they'll say the following, yes, as long as I'm married, Right? And we all laugh because we're married. And you know, and we laugh because we remember that age. And God, I'll go wherever you want to go. And then we give a condition. As long as I'm married. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go as long as you give me the 2.3 children. Which, how do you get a .3 child? It's, I don't get that. Oh, actually, I do. Okay, all the Purdue engineers are making fun of me right now. I get it, but it's, that's just the national average, right, of how many kids. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go as long as you give me the successful career. God, I'll, ever, I'll go wherever you want me to go as long as we throw in a stipulation and we, we handicap God by somehow saying, God, you're worth everything except this. 
And I'm wondering today what it looks like for us to lay aside the this and to encounter the presence of God in such a transformative way that when God says go, we're willing to go. How might else this look? God, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. This is where Daniel Barry Kern is. This is me being vulnerable with you, right? If that means staying in Greater Lafayette, I'm willing to do it. God, I'm willing to move if you want me to move, but only if it's south. Right? Y'all, April Fool's Day was three days ago. Can we please get warmer weather? Right? But when we say, God, wherever you want to go, you can't say, but if. And some of you are going, God, I'll serve you with all my might, with all my heart, with all my strength. Just don't let me leave Greater Lafayette. God, some of you are going, God, I'll, I'll serve you with all my heart and all my mind and all my strength. Just take me out of the corn. And some of you are like, God, I'll go wherever you want to go. Just let me live by my kids. God, I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Just help me to have a nice, cushy bank account. God, help me to go wherever you want me to go. Just help me to have lots of friends or status or popularity. And if we look somewhere in the cavern of our soul, deep down where we don't normally shine a light, there's something in most of us, if not all of us, that says, God, this is mine. You can't have it. And I'm wondering today what it would look like for us to release that. Now, there's good news and there's bad news. Here's the good news. If God has given you a desire to be married, what I always tell the college students is, usually you get married. Not always. If God has given you a desire to be an engineer, Usually, he allows you to be an engineer. If God has given you a desire for cold climate, then usually he will move you to West Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> but really what he's saying is, I want to make sure that this is not a priority over me. And while it's somewhat natural for us to tell those we love oh don't worry about getting married if if it's supposed to, but when it's you right or if you want that promotion or if you want that job or if you want that that relationship or that friendship or or maybe you're happily married but you just want that couple friend right i just want a couple or maybe you're just in your what is it in that's in you that you have to be willing to release now god's not going to ask you to do something contradictory to his word so he's not going to ask you to leave your spouse, right? He's probably not going to ask you to leave your dog, but pretty much everything else is wide open, okay? And in that, are we willing to admit what that is, to leave it behind for the glory of God? See, wh why would I do that? Because we realize Jesus is worth everything. That this life, as short or as long as it is, is just a blip on the radar of eternity. 
that when God lovingly created you, he didn't create you just to exist. That your fingerprints aren't just a random set of coincidences created by a mathematical improbability, but the God of this universe looked down and made you in your mother's womb with your personality, your fingerprint, and the core of your DNA, every single thing about you, and God does not make junk. And when we learn to trust his word, when we learn to release the stuff in our life that we hold like we want, to trust him, and we follow him, lives change. But here's the truth. Following God will lead us on a journey. Yes, some of you will never be called to leave the greater Lafayette area, ever. This is where God has planted you but you're still going to go on a journey for following God. And the journey will require us to leave things behind. And maybe it's not the things we talked about. Maybe it's simple as worship styles preferences or the comfort of the way that we dress or, I don't know, being in control of our lives or the hope of one day being settled. But as we understand that this world is not our home, and as we learn to say, I'm not going to try to make that, then God begins to do something amazing in and through us. A big part of this Ebenezer series, this idea that God has something for your life, is realizing that you and I were created with our fingerprints for a purpose. With a a design. And that purpose is not supposed to be just Exemplify, exemplified at age 30 to age 50. That if you are 99 years old, as my grandmother is, even though she has problems, is still telling people about Jesus, and she's the second oldest person she knows. <laughs> Praise God! Some of the other stuff she says is she's 99. <laughs> but she still gets Jesus in there. Right? Because this life isn't about you serve God, then you retire, and it's yours. This life is from the time you're born until the last breath in your lungs, you have a purpose. And knowing your purpose is going to be how you determine how you live for God. How did he make you? What is your purpose? What are your unique abilities, your personality? What is he calling you to do? Say, Daniel, I still don't know what what my purpose is. Well, you find your purpose in his presence. This is a review again, but I, I think it's really important. Our purpose will be discovered in his presence because in his presence, he melts away the sin. In our presence, he melts away the things that we think we want that aren't actually good for us. In his presence, he actually takes away and like a refiner's fire, melts away and leaves only the pure gold that he made you to be. And the way that you know that you're living out your purpose is God's calling will cost us, but it will leave a generational impact. Because it's not about you and you settling in on this world. So how do we get there? Once we find his purpose and his, his distinguishing personality and, and our abilities and our, our calling, once we understand what that looks like, then we begin to go, okay, God, here I am. And then we go where he says go. So Abraham went. And he left everything behind. 
Now, here's the hard part. As Abraham went, in chapter 13 and 14, we see that he went through some very difficult, awkward stories. Because just because he went didn't mean that everything went good. There was still a lot of lamenting there. There wasn't necessarily an Ebenezer moment in chapter 13. Months went by, if not years. And in chapter 14, we see more problems. Until they're able to rescue Lot, and then we come from a blessing in Melchizedek, and in that moment, he's a, it's another little glimpse, another little reminder, because that's how God works. In this story of lament, two-thirds of the Psalms is lament, so much of your life may be spent going, God, I'm trying to be faithful. Why is life so hard? Life is hard because sin is in this world, and this world is not supposed to be your home. But through it all, we still have the celebration moments. We aren't supposed to go, oh, life's hard. Oh, right? Through the moments, we have celebrations when someone is baptized. Ebenezer moment. We celebrate the life that was dead and raised to new life. The found the purpose in their being in the presence of God. When someone understands and their marriage is saved because they, they relinquished control of themselves and they start serving their spouse as God has called them to serve and God intervenes in that celebration moment. Let's have a banquet. Whenever kids show up at VBS and they're singing all the songs, they get stuck in our head for weeks. <laughs> Instead of being annoyed, see it as an Ebenezer moment that your kids when they are my age, will still remember those songs that tell of the glory of God. Ebenezer moments. We'll have moments of victory, but the victory doesn't mean that more problems will not come. You're not failing because life is hard. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Let's be real, real with each other. When you look and you, as a pastor and you preach a sermon like this, you're praying for 100% buy-in. Because if 100% of this room bought in, the world would change and the world would change quickly. But here's the reality. Many, if not a majority, will not go when God says to go. You won't release that idol. It's got too tight of a grip on your soul. The addiction, yeah, sure, it could be a sin. But for some of us, the sin is actually a good thing that we've made in everything. And so today, what I'm really asking is, you may not be able to walk out of here totally releasing, but I'm asking you to wrestle in the core of your being with what it is that you don't want to let go with God. I'm asking you to be able to wake up a few nights in the middle of the night and wrestle with, okay, God, but I don't really want to, but if you want me to do this, then God, help me to give it to you. And watch and see his faithfulness and how good he is because God may not give you the 79-inch big screen TV. I don't know if they make that size. Forget that. But he may give you, he will give you exactly what you need. Not necessarily what you want. And when you get and receive what he wants to give you, it's everything. So would you wrestle with that? Because here's what it looks like. Genesis 15. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward will be great. 
and Abram's like, still wrestling. Like God, you made these promises. Here I still am. Months have gone by. Years have gone by. And here's his word, verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me? You promised me, but now I'm saying, what can you give me? Since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. What can you give me? You said you were going to be faithful. Where are you? And God says, I'm still here. Now the word of the Lord came to him, and in a way you could say, yet again. This one will not be your heir. Instead, the one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. And if you are able to count them. And then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And Abraham believed the Lord. And he credited to him as righteousness. So you have to believe in the core of who you are. That God's way is better than the way that you want to live. You have to believe in the core of who you are. That God does not make mistakes with the words he gives us and the direction he calls us to do. You have to believe that God made you with the purpose. You live out that purpose and trust that as God leads you and you follow him until you're 99 and then even so beyond that, as long as there is air in your lungs, that God is not through with you because you have a purpose. That's why you're still here. So live it out. Now here's the cool part. What's the Ebenezer for Abram? Stars. How many kids did Abram have? Two? That doesn't seem like a, a really big... Oh, the Israel were the descendants of Abraham. And in the New Testament, the church is the new Israel. So when you look up at the stars and you see a star, find a star, because if you're a follower of Jesus, that star is a representative of your life with God as promised as a child of Abraham. There's a star that represents you. So maybe instead of sitting here going, God, why is the light? Realize that God can use you in such a way that you are thought of and carefully made back in the time that Abraham lived. And that God wants to help you be a, a bright light to the world. Something that lights up the night sky. But here's why we get distracted. When the storms come in, you can't always see the lights, right? You can't see the stars. You gotta still trust in the storms when you feel like your prayers aren't going past the ceiling that the stars are still there. Another reason you can't see the stars, y'all, I grew up in Dallas. I didn't know stars existed until I was 12. <laughs> Slight exaggeration. But sometimes we can't see the stars because we create man-made distractions that prohibit us from seeing the beauty of God's creation and His purpose in our life. So maybe we need to just turn those off so that we can then be reminded of the Ebenezer of God's faithfulness to us. Regardless, here's our daily training as we wrap this up today. I want you to identify what you need to leave behind so you can remain focused on God's purpose for your life. Identify what it is, and probably you already know. And then I want you to begin to wrestle with it. 
and say, God, I give you this. If it's your desire that I have it, make sure it's not placed above you because your relationship with you is the most important thing. If you've never given your life to Jesus, we'd love to talk to you about that. Well, we have several of us up front after the service. We'd love to talk to you about what Jesus did on the cross, how he died for you and for me. For those of us walking with the Lord, find your purpose. Live it out. And don't take your foot off the accelerator until you quit breathing. We are called to live on a journey for the glory of God. I love you guys. Maybe no one's told you that in a long time. For whatever reason, I felt like I needed to say that today. I love you. But the love I have for you pales in comparison to the love the Father has for you. Trust Him. He is worth it. So God, here we are. Take us. Make us available to be what you want us to be. Open-handed, open-hearted, honest. God, I pray today is an Ebenezer-type moment for some of us where we maybe we write out that word and, and go home and burn it, throw it in the trash, tear it up. And God, we say we are no longer going to be driven by our settling in to our culture and to our lives, but that we are going to live for the glory of your name. From now through eternity, make that our press prayer. Here we are, God. We trust you. In your name we pray.